Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. the book of Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. You know one of the um, things that I constantly like to preach on is vision. Um, It's just knowing that God has a plan for us. It's um, it's evangelism. Knowing that God can use us. Some of you guys know that God can use us to reach the lost souls of our city. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. And this is what God can do in our lives. He can change us um, to become the men, the women that he wants us to be. You guys there? Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Praise God. Carrie is a charismatic eight-year-old. Went to his first summer camp in Texas. When he returned home after a week, he was asked if most of the kids were Christians in the camp. Um, He thought for a moment, then replied, yeah, some were Christians, but some were from Minnesota. You know, we too many times also have a twisted perspective of what a Christian actually is. The idea of the story is that here's a child that doesn't quite understand the difference of what a Christian is and what a person from Minnesota is. You know, doesn't really, can't really um, find a difference between two. And if we're honest with ourselves many times, we have that same issue. A Christian is somebody That not only goes to church, that not only follows things, that ordinances, that not only follows laws, but he literally follows the steps of Christ with the intention to become more like him. When the definition of Christian, which is a follower of Jesus Christ, is thrown around, it's not speaking about just going where he goes, although that's part of it. It's not only saying, it's not only talking about saying what he says. But it's literally developing a heart like he has to view people the way he views them. Um, To be in ministry and to sacrifice the way he does. And many of these things many times get confused with the simple fact that you can be so religious sometimes. Amen? How many of you guys met people who are religious? Or just, you know, what all they want to talk about is just their religion and its culture and it's just a custom and all these different things. Well, Jesus came to help us become not good people, but to bring some fire into us. This is what Jesus says. He says, I will baptize you. Oh, I'm sorry. This is what John the Baptist says. I'll baptize you with water, but he who comes will baptize you with fire, right? Holy Ghost and fire. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and and John, his brother. And the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat, and their father and followed him. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled from fishermen to fishers of men tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place, God. 
God, I pray that you will inspire people, Lord, to become, God, fishers of men. God, I pray that you will anoint every word that comes out of my mouth. God, that you will touch every mind and every heart in this place, Lord. God, I just want to thank you in advance, God. God, for being so gracious to us and for using us in your kingdom, God. God, for having a destiny and a purpose for us, God. Help us, Lord, to sacrifice and to leave it all, God, to follow you and to become more like you. I trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And the people of God said that this evening, amen. amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is many people follow but aren't changed. You know, people who don't change but follow are called religious people. That, you know what, that somewhere you just go along with the motions, that somewhere you just go along with what you're taught and what you say. But the essence of Christianity is that who you come in or who you are when you come into church is different than who you are when you leave. That once you hear a word from God or once you read your Bible, there is a change in our scripture. What we see is literally these men who by profession, they were fishers of men. But by the end of the, um, their ministry or by the end of the, um, the years that Jesus dealt with them, they were more than just fishermen, but they were fishers of men. That somewhere there was a destiny, there was a purpose. God moved them forward. I want to tell you tonight, church, that in your Christianity, there needs to be a progress. There needs to be a forward movement. In our church, and our ministry, there needs to be a growth. That somewhere we're able to produce the fruit that we so long for. We see this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. It says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come into his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. How many of you guys know that Jesus had no issue seeing who was a, who was a Christian and who was a Pharisee? He had no issue, you know, trying to identify who was actually following him and who was just a religious person. And one of the things that we have to be careful is that we won't fall into that definition of just being religious. Have you guys ever heard that term? People who are religious. You know, this, this, isn't, this isn't good. You know, when somebody calls you religious, they're not giving you a compliment. They're not, they're not, they're not giving you a thumbs up. You know, at least, at least people who are saved or in church, most of the time when they speak about religious, is somebody that on the outside is doing the right things, but on the inside they've missed it. And this is a definition, or this is how we can define the Pharisees in our Bible. It was men and women, you know, commentators say, if you were to see a Pharisee today, you would think he's a good Christian. He's doing all the right things. He tithes. He fasts. He comes to church. He doesn't cuss. You know, all these different things. And you might think he's right with God, or you might think that somewhere he has some things um, going for himself. But the reality is, is his heart is far from God. And I wonder this evening, do you follow Jesus like a Pharisee? Do you, do you come to church like just another person, just another statistic, just another number, just another person on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening that's serving, or at least he thinks he's serving God? Are you just a person who keeps up with the law? This morning we spoke about the spirit of lawlessness. You know, the other extreme is the simple fact that you would just do things just because you have to do them. Or you come to church just because this, that, that's all you know. A person who is good in earthly standards. 
want to tell you tonight, listen, there needs to be a conversion in your life. If there is no change, if there is no conversion, there is no heaven. John chapter 3 verse 1, if you can open your Bibles there. John chapter 3 verse 1. say amen when you're there John chapter 3 verse 1 says now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus or Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews this man came to Jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them verse 3 Jesus answered him truly truly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Note here in our scripture that Jesus directly links the entrance of the kingdom of God with a, a born-again experience. Change is the evidence of a true converted soul. When a person walks into church and he leaves the same, there wasn't a connection. There wasn't a revelation. One of the things that I had to teach the people in, um, in, in Honduras because many times they will come up to me, Pastor, why isn't my family getting saved? Or why is it that, that, that they can't get it? And one of the things I had to teach them is that every single one of us need a revelation of who God is. It goes beyond religion. It has to go beyond just something that's taught. Can I tell you a born-again experience isn't taught? It's not something that you just, you can't get a degree on it. There's not, there's not a Bible study that you're going to take that's going to teach you how to be born again. There is an ex it's an experience, it's an event. And even we even see it with Nicodemus that somewhere Jesus challenges him. And many times that is the avenue that it comes through. You come to a service and a man of God begins to challenge you of how you live. And somewhere you begin to surrender your life and there is a born again experience. Change is the evidence. Fruit of repentance, says Apostle Paul. And in our scripture, what we see is that Peter and John and all and Andrew, they were all going one direction. And then somewhere Jesus speaks, they drop their nets and they go a different direction, change. They live different now. They do things different now. Now work isn't their priority. Amen. If you guys know, okay, let me, let me throw out a disclaimer because you should work, all right? That wasn't, you can't just, you can't just, you know, quit your job tomorrow and say, well, my pastor said work isn't my priority. Yeah, that's, that's not the way it works, all right? But somewhere, listen, you depend on God, not on your boss. You depend on your father in heaven, not just some earthly figure. So what is being born again? To be born again is to have the Holy Spirit transform our hearts from indifference and hostility, we, we learned that word this morning, hostility, right? To be an enemy of God. And hostility towards God, to a love of God, and a desire for righteousness and holiness. I mean, have you guys ever been around somebody that you can tell they got converted? You know, they were doing something, they were different. Their attitude was different. Their vocabulary was different. They dressed different. All kinds of different things, and they have an experience with God, and now they do things different. They think different. You know, it's amazing to see how people even begin to dress different. It's amazing. God, God can not only save you, but he can save your wardrobe. Right? Get rid of all those uh, unmodest clothes. Right? We still believe in that. 
That somewhere God will begin to change, you know, your mind and change the way you portray yourself to people, how you, the image that you give. To be born again is to have change. It is when you receive a revelation of who God is and what he wants to do for you. It's amazing in our scripture. It was an immediate thing. You guys saw that? You guys see that in our scripture? Jesus spoke. He gives them. He says, if you want to follow me, then drop your nets. And the Bible says immediately they did it. They saw something. Something connected. You know, something. Some, something you know, there was, there was a light bulb up there in their attic. You know, that somewhere they said, you know what, this is what I need to be doing. Then I'm willing to drop it all. It's amazing. Jesus gives a parable later on in the book of Matthew about a man who finds the pearl of great price. He says he goes on search and he finds it and he's willing to sell everything to obtain it. There's a connection. There's a revelation. You know, the common denominator in conversion is an encounter with Jesus. There is no change unless you allow God into your life. Or better yet, for our sermon, until you allow him in your boat. In our scripture, we see this as Jesus is passing by. He says, when, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he sees two brothers. And Andrew, um, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to him, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That somewhere they, they saw each other. That somewhere there was a revelation. There was a connection. And I wonder this evening, as God is, as Jesus is walking through your life, sees everything in your life, but somewhere he tells you that you need to drop that net, whatever that net is, that somewhere you can say, God, I'm willing to do it. There needs to be an encounter with Jesus. There needs to be a conversion. There needs to be a willingness to drop it all. That is the only way we're going to be able to go from fishermen to fishers of men. And I want to tell you, listen, that's not only a personal destiny. That's not only something that God wants to do for you, but he wants to do that for our church. He wants to move us from just being a regular church, just somebody that can, you know, we're just fishermen. No, he wants us to go and save some people. How many of you guys know that Jesus wants our outreaches to be productive? That we can pray with people, that we can lead them to the Lord, that somewhere, you know, as our events, our concerts, everything that we do, that somewhere there is a connection, there are conversions, there are salvations, and the only way that that's going to happen is that we're willing to say, God, whatever it is, I am going to drop it and follow you. You know, it's amazing that Jesus tells the disciples at the moment to drop their nets, but later on they will see Jesus drop their, his life. That somewhere that, you know, that correlation that the master is not just requiring things from you, he did it himself. Maybe you guys know that Jesus is the ultimate servant. He has a servant's heart. I know you think you do, but Jesus has the ultimate one. He was willing to sacrifice his life. He led by example in somewhere church. If we want to be successful in the salvation of our city, we're going to have to learn how to let some things go. You can't substitute Jesus for emotional experiences. You can't substitute an encounter with Jesus with religion or curriculum or some type of theology, the theological degree or some type of seminar. It needs to be real. Have you guys had a real experience with God? You know, you literally did. You, you remember the day that, you know, what that God just came into your life when he dealt with you. 
listen, church, that's what needs to happen to everybody. You know, I, I counsel people from time to time. And I was counseling a mother. And just, you know, just stressful, just speaking about her, her children and why aren't the children getting saved. And uh, I pray and I bring them to church and I try my best. And I had to break it down for them. I said, listen, when, when did you get saved? And somewhere she begins to think, you know, well, I hit rock bottom. I was like, well, you know, we all need to. You had an experience with God. You came to a place where you said no more. Well, your children are going to have to have that same experience. There's no, there's no shortcuts for anybody. We all have to have that experience. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. And Jesus tells him, if you want to make it to heaven, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be born again. It's conversion. It's an encounter with Jesus and this is what Jesus wants to do with us. He wants to not only change the way you think, but he wants to change your whole life. He wants to change your profession. He wants you to dedicate your life from fishermen to fishers of men. Think about that. That's not just a clever play of words or play on words, but it is literally a change in somebody's heart. I want to move on to my second point. And that is after an encounter with Jesus, it becomes you following Jesus. In the 1970s, Kerm rogue soldiers forced residents to dig their own graves um, before they were executed. As villagers called in desperation to various gods, one woman prayed to the God who hung on a cross. As she cowered on the ground, waiting to be shot, a vision of a cross came with a voice saying, None but I can save you. When the villagers opened their eyes, the soldiers were gone. For 20 years, the villagers worshipped the God who hung on the cross, not knowing that the name of this God was Jesus. And to an evangelist visited them recently. Upon hearing the good news of salvation in Jesus, the villagers rapidly or readily accepted Christ and started a church at that moment. See, there's people who call themselves Christians but don't have a revelation like these villagers. There's, these villagers are more Christian than some people in America today. They had a revelation. They don't even know his name, but they know who he is. Think about that. They don't know all the lingo. They don't have access to Caleb. <laughs> but they know who Jesus is. You know, they, don't, they have no idea who Chris Tomlin is. But somewhere they, they, they can worship God. I mean, they're crying out, crying to the God who hung on the cross. I mean, somebody saw this. You know, there was uh, somewhere they, they had this image, and they're like, they, you know, God, help us. If you're, if you're on the cross or if you're hanging on the tree, hanging on the tree, help us. See, Jesus needs to get into our life so that he can continue to move us forward. And the problem is that many of us, we continually stop them. We continually um, put some type of obstacle in the way. And this is why many times you see people who come to church and they end up frustrated, vexed in their mind. Why isn't anything changing? Well, you're not willing to let go of some things. Maybe God's speaking to you tonight. He's dealing with you about certain things. Maybe there is a net that you need to let go. Maybe there's something that's stopping you from allowing Jesus to move you forward. Maybe you guys want to do something for God. Then somewhere we're going to have to see, what does God want me to do? You know, it's amazing in our scripture. We see that these men have to let go of something that brings in income. They have to let go of their income. 
Church, this is this is this this is difficult. <laughs> Can I get one witness tonight? You know, think about it. I mean, that's somewhere Jesus tells you, listen, I need, and, and, and let's put it in 2019, right? He's not, he's not saying drop your nets. He says, bro, I need you to quit your job. If you're going to follow me, I'm going to need you to lay down the sources of your income. You know, when I, when I got sent out um, to Galveston, um, I was a, I believe I was 21 and a half. Um, and I was making <laughs> 21 and a half. I say that because um, Cindy and I we were trying to figure things out. <laughs> When it came down to ages and dates, and anyway, I didn't want to be wrong. All right, I didn't want to be a liar. Not in church. <laughs> anyway, um, so I got sent out, right? And I was making okay money. I was, it, it was good. Uh, my wife and I um, were good, but we got announced. And then when I came back from conference, um, my boss, you know, I go in there and I, and I quit. I, I gave my resignation letter. I told them, um, I'm going to go do something for God. This was in Houston. I was going to Galveston. And then um, the next day, my boss brought me into the office and offered me a job in San Antonio. I was going to Galveston, he said, in San Antonio. And I was, I'm young, right? <laughs> and he's like, I'll, put, uh, I'll move you over there. He's like, and I'll start, I'll start you off at $50,000 a year. It's all right, it's not that bad. <laughs> but at that moment, it was a lot of money. I was like, my goodness. <laughs> I had to say no to that, right? Check this out. Um, when we left to Honduras, right? On the way to Honduras, from Honduras to Pasco, we had we had already made a decision. We had already um, decided, you know what, this we're gonna go to Pasco. And on LinkedIn, as I was looking for work here in Pasco, um, I met with one of my old bosses in Houston from the same company, and he asked me, "Hey, where where are you um where are you moving to?" And I told him Pasco, Washington. And he's like, "Hey, if you move to Denver, I can get you a job." <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh yeah? Well, how much?" He's like, "I'll start you off at eighty thousand a year." He's like, I'll just start you off, and we'll move you forward from there. So I called my pastor. I said, hey, what do you think about Denver? <laughs> and somewhere, listen, the devil, he's so, he, he, he's so sneaky. He knows. He, he knows the things that kind of attract us. You know, 80,000 might be nothing to you. Maybe some type of social media is. You know, you might, you might be thinking to yourself, you know what, but that's not too attractive. Maybe alcohol is. And somewhere he knows exactly what he needs to do. In our scripture, he deals with these men. He says, if you want to follow me, the very essential of a man, and men can agree with me today, is the fact that you can be the provider. That you can bring the bacon home. Amen? That you can pay the bills. That somewhere it is because of your source of income. And Jesus says, that very thing, you're going to have to let it go if you want to follow me. Being born again. It does not happen unless you completely surrender your life to Jesus. And this includes even the source of your providing and your source of income. Dropping their nets is a picture of leaving their livelihoods to follow Jesus. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to completely trust in me. It's not just a partial trust. It's not, you know, one of the things I remember, one of the first uh, things that we spoke about in conference, one of the first conferences that I went to, one of the themes that, were be, that, that was being thrown, out, thrown around in sermons was a plan B. And they were saying, you know what, you can't serve God and then and try to prepare a plan B just in case God doesn't work for you. There's somewhere, you know, there's this element of, you know what, God, if it doesn't work for you, if you don't work for me, then I have something. You see this in healing. You see this in health. You see, God, you, I trust that you can heal me, but if you don't, I got 16,000 pills over here that I can take. 
I have a plan B or somewhere. And this is why many times, even like in places like Africa, you know, they, they get healed so quickly because somewhere their trust and their faith is so pure. I have nothing else. God, you do it. I wonder tonight if that's where Jesus wants us. I wonder tonight if, you know, it, it's, it's funny because you can read the scripture and you can almost get us, if you're not careful, you can almost think that God's like picking. Why my job? Why, why, why do you got to deal with me on that? I'm just, just another man working. You know, out of all the people in the Sea of Galilee, he has to pick Peter, the fisherman, and tell him to let that go. You ever felt like that? You come to service and you feel like God is picking on you? You feel like God isolated you? Why, why me? Why do I have to let go of those things? You know, one of the things I tell the ministry all the time is that as Christians, you live different than the world. But as ministers, you live different than Christians. And I wonder, I wonder tonight, how many of you guys know that the plans that Jesus had for Peter, Andrew, John weren't the same plans as other people around there? You guys, you guys know that, right? Can I tell you tonight that the plans that Jesus has for you is not the same as your neighbor? And what that means is that sometimes God will deal with you about specific things that you have to let go. That you have to deal with. We all have the, the common revelation and the common destiny and plan of God to go preach the gospel. To be good Christians. To be a good Samaritan. To be a good brother and a good sister. But some of you guys here, you might be pastors one day. Pastors' wives. Evangelists. Ministers of the gospel. You're going to live different. You're going to live different. My question to you is, will you allow Jesus to step into your life and deal with you and with those areas? The word revelation, by definition, is the act of making known something that was secret or a fact that has been made known. And I want to tell you tonight, God wants to make himself known in your life. I wonder tonight, what if Peter would have said no? What if he would have said, you know what, not, not, not my job. God, I'll follow you wherever you go. Just make it in two weeks because that's the vacation time that I got. God, I follow you wherever you want me to go, but, but you can't deal with this area. Not with this relationship. Or whatever, you can fill in the blank. See, God wants to reveal himself. If we truly believe that he is the God in heaven. The creator of this universe. And what does a few fish have to do with the destiny of God? Why would you let it all go? You know, I've seen many people let go of all the destiny that God has for them for just a few loaves, a few fishes, a few bucks of raises. You know, they'll give up all of their Saturdays so they, get, they won't outreach just because to look good on their boss to get a dollar raise. Listen, if that's the way you want to live, you can live that way. But I want to do what God is telling me to do. I want to close with my third point. That is people who follow because they are changed are called Christians. Following is more than just taking the same steps behind Jesus. It is about becoming like Jesus. The whole idea of being a Christian is not just doing what Jesus does, but being more like him. Being more, having the same heart as him. Viewing people the same way that he views them. I mean, if you guys are with me tonight, 
following is more than just taking the same steps. It's more than just, you know, just, because, just going to church. It's more than just listening to sermons, but loving people the way he loves them. Right? This is why we outreach. We don't outreach because we want to be like Jehovah Witnesses. We don't outreach just because we're in competition with the Mormons. But we outreach because God cares for people and so do we. We outreach because somewhere God tries to meet people where they're at in life. So we try to meet people in their apartments. We knock on the doors. We interrupt their lives. Some of the visitors this morning were from yesterday's outreach. Actually, all the visitors yesterday, this morning, were from yesterday's outreach. We interrupted their life. Think about that. That God used us to go knock on their door while they had plans for the whole day just to give them an invitation to pray for them. Some of you guys met Irma and, and Eric. We went into their house and prayed for them. This is what it means to be a Christian. That somewhere you, became, you, you begin to love people. You know, they come to church, you begin to love on them. Who cares about the language barrier? That somewhere you reach out to them. You know, try the best Spanish you got. <laughs> love you, tacos. <laughs> you know, somewhere they, you begin to just, listen, if, it's crazy. Many people try to use this language barrier thing. Man, it don't stop you in food. <laughs> It don't stop you anywhere else. You're, you're, you're using sign language when, you're, when, you want, when you're trying to get what you want. You know, somewhere, listen, God has called us to be more like him. And that's, and that's an extreme thing. How many of you guys know that you, you start thinking about your shepherd like, I'm far from what Jesus is. You look in the mirror and say, man, I don't, nope, <laughs> not me. You know, somewhere we need this experience. God, help me, show me. Show me what I need to do. Step into my boat. Tell me the nets that I need to drop so that I can follow you. Any type of obstacle. I was, I was speaking about, um, I forget who I was talking to, that any type of sin or addiction that comes against you, you try to put obstacles in between, right? Filters, accountability. You try to do all, close all kinds of different doors. When it comes out to Jesus, you try to remove all obstacles. You take it all away. This is why we don't watch worldly media stuff, worldly movies, or listen to worldly music. Not because you're going to go to hell for listening to Lil Wayne. But some of this stuff doesn't edify your spirit, right? You're trying to worship God. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're singing to the song service, and all you got is these, these songs. And you can go on and on with all kinds of different things, church. But what I'm saying is that somewhere, if we're going to be called Christians, if we're going to say we are Christians, we are following Christ, then we need to be more like him. Not just do the things that he does. Not just do the things that religious people do. But let's be more like him. You know, one of the things that you hear even in our fellowship, you hear people say, well, that's not fellowship. You guys ever heard that before? Some of you guys are newer, so you guys don't understand what I'm saying. But you'll try to, you'll try to do something in, in this, in, with the idea to save people. But well, that's not the way we do it. Well, listen, somewhere, somewhere you got to understand, we got to have at least the same spirit and the same heart. It's not about mimicking. It's not, about just, it's not a cookie cutter. Am I making sense tonight? It's not just saying, you know what, if Jesus had long hair, then I'm going oh, to have long hair. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's somewhere, it's just, you know what? If we can just love people the way he does, if we can have the same spirit as Jesus did, God, make me a fisher of men. The disciples received the revelation of who Jesus is. After seeing what Jesus did for their unsuccessful fishing trip, and this is the story whenever, I mean, if you guys remember the story where Peter 
and then they go out fishing and they catch nothing. What do you guys know as a bad fisherman? You're bad at your job if you do that. <laughs> if you go out and you're, you're, so your whole one, you, you one job, right? Your whole one job is to catch fish and you don't do that. You need some Jesus in your life. Jesus gets involved and he makes even their profession successful. When they see that, they want to know more of Jesus. I wonder tonight. I wonder tonight as Jesus walks around our church, begins to look at each, uh, each and every single one of us. I wonder if he says, you know what, if you drop your net, will you follow me? As he's saying that, I wonder tonight if you will say, God, I will. I'll drop it. I will trust you. I will leave it all up to you. My income, my children, my wife, my husband, my ministry. God, I just want to be more like you. You know, there's been plenty of times, even in my prayer life, where I'm praying about all kinds of different things and you know, just really think about things. I have lists, you know, people and needs and all these different things. And many times I forget, man, I just need to be more like Jesus. If I could just be more like him. You know, in the midst of ministry and the busyness of life. You know, we're in the holiday season and it gets busy. I wonder if you have time to slow down and say, you know what, God, I've ignored you. I wonder if you have time to slow down and say, God, I want to be more like you. I want to follow you. You guys know we're, we're walking into 2020 here pretty quickly. You know, we're going we're gonna to go into it. There's no way around it. We're, we're going to start this year, all right? But I wonder if you'll go into your, you know, just make it a point in your life to say, I want to be more like Jesus this year. I want to love people the way he loves them. I want to minister the way he ministers. I want, I want to lay down my life. You know, I wonder what God could do if, you, if you'll lay down your life, make decisions, align yourself with God. One of the things my wife and I have always said is we will always make our lives available in everything. You know, we've been married, I believe, seven years now. We've never bought a house, and that was one of the biggest reasons. That's somewhere, you know, and we've moved around. And we've had opportunities to do different things, but somewhere we said we want to be available. We want to be able to move. Remember in Galveston, we, we, we threw around the idea of you know, settling down and buying something, but we said, no, we want to be available. And then we had to move to Honduras in a week. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened if we owned something. And somewhere, listen, it's, 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 it's simply what you want. What do you want to do for God? And what do you want? What, what, I mean, somewhere you're going to have to align your life for that. What are your goals? What's your vision? What does God speak to you? Your calling. Some of you guys, you have a calling. You know specifically where God wants you. What are you doing to get there? How are you aligning your life to be available for that calling? What do they tap you on the shoulder? You know, you go to a conference in August. What if they ask you to go somewhere? Are you available? Some of you guys know that's a drop of a net real quick. Immediately. Are you available? There's a need. If you guys know, there's plenty of people in this world that need Jesus. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. And this is what Jesus says. He says, there, he says, the harvest is ripe. Pray for laborers. Pray for people. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's given these guys, these men, a revelation. If you drop your nets and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men there's nothing I, I don't know there's no higher calling in my mind than to be fishers of men they're just not now you can be a regional manager 
some type of ministry and you can be the greatest preacher in the world or whatever. Man, but if you can touch people's hearts. You know, one of the things that lights me up all the time is we go to outreach and people get saved. You witness to somebody, you pray for somebody. You're like, man, there's no other, there's no other feeling, man. This is what I live for. This is what I live for. I close with this. I was talking to a man. Um, I forget who it was. I always forget who I talk to. I'm 28, all right? I don't know why that happens. <laughs> but anyway, I was, um, I was speaking to him, and I was telling him, listen, if you're going to do this, you have to know that this is what you want to do for the rest of your life. We're talking about calling. You know, if you want to preach, if you want to, you know, be a pastor one day, if you want whatever you want to do, um, you're going to have to make up your mind, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And now you're just wasting your time. If not, it's just going to be a season for you to have to restart all over every time. But if you make up your mind and say, this is what I'm going to do, then, then somewhere, listen, there is a revelation and a clarity. God, I'm going to dedicate my life to your service. I want to be more like you. Many of you guys want to be more like Jesus? Yes. John the Baptist says, less of me and more of you. And I wonder if you can say that tonight. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.